In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us begin this uh, morning worship service. This morning's prayer service will be from prayer right number two. If we say we have no sin, we, decide, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, but we confess our sins. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Confession of Sin. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of the Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to set forth his praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship him, let us kneel in silence and with penitent, obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain the forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not loved you with our whole heart, but we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will, walk in your ways, and to the glory of your name, amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life, amen. <clears throat> Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. We will recite a portion of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands have molded the dry land. Come let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as your forebears did in the wilderness at Meribah and Massa when they tempted me. They put me to the test, though they had seen my works. Forty years long I detested that generation and said, this people are wayward and their hearts, they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, 
they shall not enter into my rest. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The first reading from the book of Exodus. For the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. <clears throat> Since we were justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of the God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we are still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still are sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to John, chapter 4, 5 to 42. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus came to Samaritan city called Sikar 
near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go. Call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. 
Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into this labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. <clears throat> the second and third Sundays <clears throat> in Lent juxtapose uh, characters which are unique only in John's gospel. If you remember, last Sunday, we reflected on the character Nicodemus. And this Sunday, the third Sunday in Lent, we are going to reflect a bit on Samaritan woman. She, Jesus gets both with Nicodemus and with the Samaritan woman, more extraordinary, I would say, the conversation is not to an extent where they can ex understand, but the conversation is uh, making them to go into a different level of understanding. So Jesus' conversation with them is pretty much extraordinary, I would say. When we see these two characters, Nicodemus and uh, Samaritan women. As I said last Sunday, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a teacher, and a learned person, a very influential person, a member of the Sanhedrin. So he has all very high credentials. And he has a name. But this woman, Samaritan woman, she has no name. She is a Samaritan, and socially, she is uh, considered a deviant in the community. Uh, she is ostracized and stigmatized uh, because of her behavior, because of her marital status. So there are many things connected to this woman, because one might wonder and think why this woman is coming to the well 
in the noon time. Usually it's a time where nobody is going to be there. So one reason she wanted to avoid gossip, she wanted to avoid people talking about her because socially, uh, economically, religiously, and politically, they are just uh, neglected, ignored, and kept aside people, like they're pushed to the fringes of the society. So that she doesn't have a status on her own. So she just coming, there may be many reasons why she's coming in the afternoon at the noon time to draw water from the well. But here is what we see this interesting discourse, a dialogue that happens between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. She comes there and when Jesus asks her to give him a drink, she's surprised because how can a Jew ask a woman, that to a Samaritan woman, to give him a drink? It is like polluting yourself if you're asking and getting a drink from them. So Jesus says, when she says, like, how can you ask? Jesus says, if you know who is asking you of a drink, probably you would ask me to give you a drink because the water I drink will never make you go thirsty. First thing she reacts is, if that is, that if you're going to give me a drink that is never going to make me thirsty, probably I have, she, like Nicodemus, she, literally connects it saying, how can you give me a drink when you don't have a bucket or you don't have anything to draw water from the well? In literal sense, like how Nicodemus, when Jesus says you have to be born again, he says, how come? How can I go back to my mother's womb and be born again? So in a literal sense, even she's connecting there. But then Jesus asks her, what is a marital status? Like, uh, I will give you the drink, but you go and get your husband. And she very frankly says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, what you say is right because you have been married to five husbands and now with whom you live is no longer your husband, so you are telling the truth. So this lady, this Samaritan woman is really astonished because Nobody can really uh, tell her the marital status or like what she's going through. When Jesus is just telling her like with how many men she's lived before and now exactly what is her status, she sees him as a prophet. Are you a prophet? Uh, I wanted to say this because when Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus about being born again in water and spirit, once you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be able to enter into the kingdom of God, you'll be able to have eternal life. The sin Nicodemus is committing here is the disbelief. Many commentators, when they talk about this Samaritan woman, especially when it comes to this marital status, they think that Jesus is pinpointing her so that she realizes her mistake and she confesses and he forgives. So this is a general pattern of understanding when we reflect in that kind of uh, 
angle in that direction. But Jesus is not talking to her or looking at her in that moral standard or to her moral behavior. All that he's trying to help her is go to another theological level or to a, a different level of understanding, which is why she doesn't stick there, but she immediately moves to the place of worship. The sin in John's gospel is disbelief. What Nicodemus has done, he came to Jesus in the shadows of the night and he just exits in that same night as the same person not believing in Jesus. But this woman is challenging the authority of Jesus saying, are you greater than the ancestors of our faith? Are you a prophet? Are you a messiah? So all these things are just running, powerfully playing out in her mind, and she's just able to uh, get into that conversation, into that theological understanding, who exactly is this man, that he's able to see me, able to identify me, and helping me to look things differently. So from here, she starts talking to Jesus, then tell me, where is the place to worship God? Because Samaritans believe it's a, it is at Mount Gerizim, and Jews believe it is at Jerusalem, so what is the right place of worship? Jesus says, wherever God is present, that is the right place to worship. Worship in truth and in spirit. If you are able to, pull those two things to worship God in truth and spirit, God is ever present there. We are actually facing a kind of crisis, a difficult situation. I've never pastored through this pandemic. So I think this text today is so refreshing. It gives us a different perspective when we always connect to be worshiping in a structure, in a building, in a sanctuary, what does it mean when Jesus is saying, worshiping God in truth and in spirit? In times like this, when we are having these online services, so how can we really uh, grapple with, with that uh, kind of adaptation of worshiping God in truth and spirit? Jesus is saying, I'm ever present in your anxieties, in your troubles, just that you have to believe that he is with us always. At this time, I think it's essentially important that we remain courageous, we remain faithful, and we remain hopeful. I think this lady, when she got that message, worship, because as a Samaritan, she cannot go to the synagogue, she cannot be with the Jews. She's so confused, like, where can I find God? Where can I worship God? And Jesus is telling, just believe in him. Just believe in him, in spirit, and be truthful and faithful. You will be able to experience have that kind of transformative experience and have that personal encounter with God. Worship, wherever we are, it, it is something which frees us from self-centeredness. This lady, 
right after this dialogue, she just leaves the jar behind, which is just holding on to her. It is something, a property or something that is making her just to keep to herself, like refusing to go into the world, or just being so shameful, uh, feeling so guilty, uh, thinking that she's wrong, she's bad, but that thing which is just keeping her like, no, uh, to come in the afternoon time to avoid people, she just left that jar, went out into the town to proclaim and to say, I have seen the Messiah. I have seen the Messiah. The worship here has just, it is, she's not in a place, but she just had an encounter with Jesus and she left everything behind and she just went out into the world because worship frees that kind of inhibitions, that kind of shame, that kind of self-centeredness and just gives, makes you free. It gives you a sense of value. Worship gives you a sense of value, a sense of worth where you can believe in yourself. This lady is nobody, as we, we see one of the Charles Dickens poems, like she's just nobody, but now she's evolving into a different, a new identity where she gets the courage, where she gets the, gets the courage to go into the town and to proclaim that she has seen the Messiah. It's not just she's evolving into a different identity, but she's also making revelation about Jesus Christ. Worship also, it's, it, it is not just making you believe in yourself, but it, it also promotes a sense of gratitude, a thankfulness where we are, what we are today in these times. A gratitude, she's like now was feeling worthless, she's just shattered, like fallen apart. But here she's picking those pieces together, going to the people and telling. So this is the kind of worship the Samaritan woman is experiencing here. Those people who blamed her or, or maybe who were looking down on her, believed her, believed in her testimony. She's just evolving into a different new identity. At the same time, she's revealing who Jesus Christ is. The word which is really catchy for me is, she says to them, come and see, come and see. If you remember in one of the ordinary Sundays, I spoke on this where John the Baptist is standing with his disciples and the disciples, when the John the Baptist says, here comes the Lamb of God, the disciples follow him and they ask him a question, where do you stay? And Jesus says, come and see, come and see. And this lady is also saying, Come and see. In Greek, it has the same meaning. In, God, in John's gospel, it is come and see means come and stay, which means abide in me, believe in me, stay in me. So she's saying to the people in that town of Samaria, come to Jesus and see, come stay with him, come abide, come be with him. And people just rushed to see him and they just believed in Jesus Christ. The last verse is really, uh, which uh, summarizes everything. The people who see say, truly, truly, we believe 
that he is the savior of the world. Truly we believe that he is the savior of the world. Only in John's gospel, only here the word savior is used. Last Sunday, when I spoke about Nicodemus, John's uh, chapter three, 16 verse is very popular. Like I have, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. Nicodemus, the Pharisees, the Jews, they did not believe. For them, the Messiah is something else. The Messiah cannot suffer. But this community of Samaria, this whole narrative has been fulfilled. John 3.16 has been fulfilled through the testimony of this Samaritan woman. This whole narrative has been fulfilled because they truly believe that he is the savior of the world. And these tiny little lives those who are feeling the worthless, meaningless, are eternally connected in the worship, in the personal encounter with Jesus Christ through this Samaritan woman. May we also be encouraged today that we be like this woman, that we believe in Jesus Christ, go out into the world and proclaim the good news that we have seen, we have experienced this Savior in us. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. recite the Apostles' Creed now. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> Let us say a prayer for uh, those celebrating their birthdays. Watch over your child, O Lord, as their days increase. Bless and guide them wherever they may be. Strengthen them when they stand. Comfort them when discouraged or sorrowful. Raise them up if they fall, and in their heart may, they, may your peace, which passeth understanding about all the days of their life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Uh, at this time, there are no particular announcements except that we would continue uh, to be worshiping God through this um, online services. So we pray that you stay safe and uh, be courageous and strong that we will pass through this as St. Stephen's Church. And also please continue to uphold uh, people who are affected by this uh, coronavirus. This time we will join in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil <clears throat> for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Suffrages. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world, for only you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create us in clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. The Collect. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let us do the prayer of thanksgiving found on page 101. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom, with whom, and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us receive the blessing. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.